0: We're talking about the characteristics of the gift of insight and prophecy. Insight and prophecy: person who has insight into something, they can see in beyond normal sight. It's prophetic in the fact that it 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 foretells or foretells foretells things that are going to be, and foretells the voice, the mind, and the heart of the Father from heaven into the earth and into the lives of earthen vessels around us. So the characteristics of the gift of insight and prophecy, uh, the motivational gift, are going to be those that unfold here shortly. But I want to give an example of somebody from the scriptures that had the prophetic gift within them, or the gift, or the motivational gift of insight. And uh, it's one of my my favorite examples in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Peter. Peter is so impetuous and yet so cutting edge. They say if you're not living on the cutting edge, you're leaving way too much room. And the thing with the cutting edge, if you were to take a, a razor that's got a cutting edge on it, it will give you The cleanest, closest shave of any razor at the same time. That same razor and the cutting edge. If it cuts you, it'll cut deep and you'll bleed. And so that's the benefits and also the dangers of a cutting edge person with the prophetic gift of insight. They're in the spirit one minute. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The next minute, they're outside the anointing, and they're impetuous. And the Lord Jesus is having to rebuke them, saying, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Let's look at our first example, Matthew chapter fourteen, verse twenty-eight. These are from the lives, the life of Peter, the apostle, with the prophetic gift of insight and uh, motivational prophetic gift uh, that he had in him. Matthew chapter fourteen. This is where Peter is. Uh, you know, walking on water. But he, he makes a statement to Jesus. And it's in verse 28. He, uh, Jesus uh, speaks unto say, them, saying, uh, Be of good cheer, it is I. I'm walking on water. I, I know that uh, it's nighttime. You're probably thinking I'm a ghost. But Jesus says, Relax. Shalom. Be of good cheer, it is I. Don't be timid or afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be to you, Bid me to come unto thee on the water. People with prophetic gift of insight, they'll operate in experimental faith. There's no scriptural basis for walking on water. But if Jesus says you can do it, or if Jesus is doing it, you can ask if you can do it too. Because he's our example. And Jesus' response was, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. Just that quick of course he sank, he got double minded in all of his ways, and a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways should should expect to receive nothing from the lord and uh but he tried it. The difference between Peter and the other eleven disciples is Peter you know walked on water, sank, Peter cut off a centurion's ear because he was impetuous. Jesus had to heal the man of the ear, Jesus had to pick jesus up out of the Jesus had to pick Peter up out of the water, put him back in the boat. Jesus had to rebuke Peter uh saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, because he was impetuous, spoke out a turn with his his prophetic gift of insight operating apart from the motivation of the Holy Spirit makes him a soulish, a suke man, a carnal man, operating out of the sarks mindset. And and what happens is, the same person who's used mightily of God today with a prophetic motivational gift of insight can make a terrible mistake later. In the same house that they spent years building, they can burn down in an instant with their words. I'll tell you the problem with uh, people with the prophetic gift of insight that are not fully yielded to the Holy Spirit, they cause what I call uh, harm. Uh, it's an acronym uh, for hit-and-run mouth. Harm. Uh, hit-and-run mouth. They, they, they come in, bop, 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 they're done, and they walk away. And I mean, they've just destroyed somebody's life with their mouth. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we have to make sure that we only speak life unless the Lord is commanding us to curse a fig tree or to give somebody's flesh over to Satan for punishment that the flesh might be destroyed and the spirit might be saved on the day of judgment. But that is for those that are operating in the mature gift of prophetic insight. I want to share with you briefly uh, the purposes of prophecy. And there's a difference between the immature gift and the mature gift. Um, and we're going to just do this as a preface before we fully move in to Peter, who's an example of a man with the motivational gift of insight and prophecy. In Matthew 14, 28, he says, Lord, bid me to walk on the water. And uh, the Lord says, walk. In Acts 3:12 through 11, or 13, he knew it was time to preach the gospel. It was a Kairos moment. And because of that, in Acts 4, 4 5,000 were added to the church. In Matthew 16, verse 13 through 15, Jesus said, Whom do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some say you're Jeremiah, some, you know, one of the prophets. Uh, Jesus said, But who do you say that I am? Peter, one of the twelve, says, Again, he got out on the water and walked spiritually on this one. He says, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God, the Mashiach. You are the one we've been waiting for. You're the one that the Old Testament prophesies 333 different things, and you're fulfilling every one of them. We know you are the one. In Luke chapter 5, they fished all night, caught nothing. And uh, they were done. They're going to wash their nets. They're done for the night. Jesus says, cast out, launch out into the deep for a great drought of fishes. And Peter said, we fished all night. But he got a prophetic insight. He said, nevertheless, at thy word we will do it. And they caught such a great drought of fishes that they had to get two boats to get them in. So the point is, these are the characteristics of Peter evidencing that he had the gift of a prophecy or insight and a motivational gift. And this motivational gift is found in, in in Romans chapter twelve as one of the seven motivational gifts. And the seven motivational gifts as we've discussed on on other sermons, but to capsulate it in this one, first uh, Romans chapter twelve, verse seven through six through ten, uh one of the seven motivational gifts is mercy, another is administration uh, or ruling. Uh, a third is giving uh, fourth is exhortation or encouragement. Uh, the other uh, fifth is uh, teaching. Uh, the the sixth is serving, and the seventh is, is prophecy or insight. Let each man prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. Which brings us to this next factoid, this next illustration, this next PowerPoint, if you'll have it. There's six main purposes for prophecy. With the simple gift of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, here's the deal. For the immature gift, or the simple gift, of prophecy, it's for the purposes of edification to build somebody up, to encourage or strengthen them, or to comfort them. That is different than the mature gift of prophecy, which encompasses that side of it. But the mature gift of prophecy can be for prediction or foretelling. It can be for rebuke or correction. It can be for direction and guidance. What often happens is immature prophetic people have a tendency to think that their pants are a little bigger than they are. And they begin to misuse their gift because they're not mature enough yet, and they cause great harm within the body of Christ if they're not careful. And we're going to look to an illustration of the persimmon and the prophet before we're done here to illustrate that effectively. But for now, we just want to review that the immature gift in the six gifts or six purposes of prophecy is the immature gift is for edification, exhortation, and comfort whereas a mature gift is for edification, exhortation, and comfort and for prediction or foretelling, rebuke or correction, direction, and guidance. So, we want to make sure that we mature in these things, and we're going to talk about that more here in a minute. The characteristics of the motivational gift of insight and prophecy include quick judgments, uh, operation on impulse, which means God can use those people quickly. Whereas somebody else with, you know, out that prophetic gift, they want to go research and study it and make sure these things are so. And by then, I mean, it's over. They've missed the window on the healing. The person's backslid went into drug addiction. Um, they're never going to see him again because they left the Starbucks coffee because this person had to go get 47 confirmations from 65 different sources in the mouths of two or 300 witnesses. And by that time, it's over. However, uh, as we'll find out later, there's some negatives to that as well. Uh, the person with the prophetic gift uh, speaks openly. They're very frank and direct. Uh, things are black and white to them. Uh, they have a tendency to reject others who offend, they're willing to correct the faults of others. Um, we have a tendency to react harshly to dishonesty. We hate dishonesty because we see things in black and white. Ananias and Sapphira's will drop dead in our presence, so to speak. You know, that was Peter in Acts chapter 5 who said, You've not lied to men, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. Therefore, And he, boom, they're dead. Just that quick. I mean, we react harshly to dishonesty. If you misuse that gift, apart from the Spirit, though, You'll do what I refer to as drive-by shoutings with your mouth and put people in harm's way, hit-and-run mouth syndrome. So uh, uh, we don't want that. Uh, we're willing to suffer for doing right. If we believe in it, it doesn't matter. You can martyr us. Peter, a uh, legend has it that, uh, you know, they said, well, we're going to crucify. He says, I'm not worthy to die in the way that my Lord is. That's an, it's an honor to die that way. And they said, fine, we'll crucify you upside down. And they did. So... Willing to, to suffer for what's doing right. Uh, other things about the motivational gift of insight and prophecy, uh, we're the type, I believe it when I see it. Of course, when we see it, we want everybody else to believe it, even if we saw it by the eyes of faith. <laughs> and we think everybody ought to, you know, follow in tow. Um, we do not care what others think when we have that gift. And people that have that gift, they look and doesn't matter, they heard from heaven, they're not moved. They are not moved. I believe, I received when I prayed. But you've still got the lump of cancer on your neck. That doesn't move me. That's a fact. The truth is, by his stripes I'm healed. So, that type of prophetic gifting is wonderful because seven days later, the thing drops off the body and uh, the person's completely healed. And so, that's exciting. And the other thing about uh, the characteristics of a person with a motivational gift of prophecy or insight, uh, they like to be evaluated. Test the spirits, See if these things are so. You know, we don't have any problem with that. Now, how does a person misuse the motivational gift of prophecy or insight? Well, there's a lot of ways. One of them is uh, we have a tendency to view things as all right or all wrong. We will throw out the baby with the bathwater if we're not careful. We also have a tendency, once we see something in somebody's life that's, that's in error, or we see that they're about to fall, instead of being great intercessors so that that doesn't come to pass like, like Abraham was when, when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he had the prophetic gift of insight. And God revealed that to him, gave him revelation knowledge. And Abraham was an intercessor. He didn't just walk into Sodom and Gomorrah and say, you know, like, like Jonah did, the prophet, in 40 days, none of it will be destroyed. I mean, Jonah never preached repentance. He didn't want him to repent. He wanted him to destroy. What happens is, if we're intercessors like Abraham, Instead of misusing our gift, we'll use it correctly to intercede and say, Lord, let it not be so. What if there's fifty righteous? Well, for fifty righteous, Abraham, I, I won't destroy. What what about what about thirty righteous? For thirty we we begin to bargain with God to preserve life, because we know that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked might repent and be saved. So a true, a true beneficial combination is the person with the prophetic gift of insight and also with a with gift of mercy and intercession to pray that those things don't come to pass. An immature, prophetically gifted person with that motivational gift, they will want to go announce the thing that they've seen and if it doesn't come to pass, they're angry. And the reason they're angry because they just want to be right instead of, oh Lord, let it not be. You know, like Amos said, let not this come, for for Jacob is small. You know, have mercy. And the Lord gave him something else. Oh, Lord, have mercy, for Jacob is yet small. And the Lord showed another type of judgment that was lesser. So with intercession, as prophetic people, we can actually lessen the judgment, mitigate it down, or completely avert the disaster. And remember, with the same measure you measure it unto others, it's measured back to you. If you sow mercy on the way up the spiritual ladder that you climb in the things of god if you ever fall you'll reap mercy on the way down if you sow judgment stepping on the toes of the people that you're ministering to on the way up that spiritual ladder if you ever fall sometimes you'll have to to kiss the uh the backsides of those uh those those toes that are attached to the legs that are attached to to the dairy hair so to speak on the way down the corporate ladder or the spiritual ladder so it's so important as people with the motivational gift of prophecy or insight to sow mercy. And that may not have been the best illustration I just gave, but I think it will stick with us, uh, because mercy is better than sacrifice. Continuing on, we have a tendency to misuse the motivational gift of insight or prophecy by making harsh judgment towards others. We also have a tendency to make harsh judgments towards ourselves. Nobody can beat us up better than ourselves. And a lot of times we need somebody with the gift of mercy to literally pull our own fists off our own face and and abdomen as we're punching ourselves for mistakes that we've made. We also have a tendency to share opinions that would be better left unsaid. This is my rule of thumb on this. If God gives me something in the Spirit, prophetically, or an insight, revelation, unless God gives me, he might give me the diagnosis, but unless he gives me the solution, I don't go to that person with that. And the reason I don't is because God never offers uh, the diagnosis for you to share with somebody unless he's offering you the diagnosis and the solution for the matter. If he just gives the diagnosis, diagnosis or identifies a problem, it's so that we can go to prayer and intercede to get the revelation on how to solve the problem. And so anybody can go point out faults with this prophetic gift. But uh, it's no longer the prophetic gift of insight at that point. It's become a misuse, and it becomes a prophetic gift of fault-finding and grumbling and murmuring. And that's not God. That's uh, God plus flesh, which becomes a polluted prophetic word instead of a powerful prophetic word that sets the captive free. We have a tendency to share opinions that would let better be left uh, unsaid. We need to not get involved in, in harm hit-and-run mouth. It does damage to the body of Christ. We need to not do drive-by shoutings. And we'll, we'll lose our level of authority to speak life if we hastily speak death where God's not speaking that. We have a tendency to tell others all the faults and weaknesses about everything because we can see them. The problem is, if we're intercessors as well as prophetic people, we'll be able to diagnose and resolve and solve unto the next level and bring healing into the body of Christ. Remember, all the gifts of the Spirit that are given to the body of Christ are for the edification or building up of the body, his body, not for the tearing down. There are times with the mature gift of prophecy and insight, with correction and rebuke and, and guidance, what happens is we're called to pull down, overthrow, root up, and destroy, that we might build and plant afresh. But if it's just tearing down and no building and planting, it's a misuse of the gift. It's an immature use of the gift, and we really shouldn't be operating in the higher realms with it. That's for mature gifting. But we grow from grace to grace, from glory to glory, and from faith to faith. And I know I have made some horrible mistakes with the prophetic gift when I was young. And uh, not that I'm perfect now, but thank God I don't make the same mistakes I used to. Lord Jesus, give us the gift of mercy and compassion. Grant us the, the gift of intercessory prayer. And deliver us from a hasty spirit that we don't move ahead of you and cut off a centurion's ear. That we don't move ahead of you and rebuke the Lord and have to get rebuked back to get Satan out of us. Lord, give us deliverance so that we don't deny you three times like Peter did. And Lord, give us perseverance that we might be the one preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 souls get saved. Thank you for the balance. We also have a tendency to cut off peers in favor of being Faithful to a cause. We are loyal people, prophetic people. At the same time, we have a tendency to cut off other people, thinking that we're faithful to a person or a cause. When in reality, there's a way for us to all to get along, and not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, so, or, or, you know, we lean to learn to to spit up the the seeds and and, and enjoy the grapes. And uh, or eat the chicken and spit up the bones and we can do that with people as well accept them for where they're at and the only time we need to look down upon a person is when we're bending over to help lift them up that's the, the true prophetic gift here's the other thing with the prophetic gift of insight we need to share not just God hear me on this prophecy in its simplest terms is hearing from God and speaking to men prophecy in its simplest terms is hearing the voice of the Father and communicating that to other people. Now here's the deal: only seven percent of of communication is words. Thirty eight percent is 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 hand gestures, and and is voice inflection, tone. Fifty five percent is hand gestures, body language, that type of stuff. So only seven percent is words. So when we give God's words apart from His body language, apart from His voice inflections, for example, if I say to you. I love you versus I love you. Now, it's the same words on transcript, but only 7% of it came through. But when I begin to share the voice and the compassion and the love of God with a person, as well as the words of God, now it has great impact. This being said, as prophetic people, it is imperative that when we operate in prophetic insight, we need to share just not the mind of the Father, the words, but also his heart. And remember, his heart is a heart of love. Unless we're operating in the mature gift of prophecy, we should never point our finger into somebody's face and prophesy. We should get down and become their servant and look up to them and share the word as their servant. And until we have that thing where we've got a Smith Wigglesworth anointing where we walk in and throw somebody up against the wall and point our finger right at them, and we can walk out of the office and come back in and love them. and they'll say I don't understand you put me against the wall I was in the office a of prophet when I did that now I'm your your pastor now come on let's go let's go eat lunch so there there's times and seasons for everything but we make sh- we need to make sure that uh we we operate in a humble spirit and that's a true prophet one that that cries and weeps for the abominations that are done in Jerusalem even when Jesus went in as the the angry prophet so to speak um, or the indignant prophet, should I say, is better. You know, be angry and sin not. Jesus was angry, righteously indignant, and he sinned not. He took a triple-braided cord and whipped the, the money changers out of the temple. But right afterward, he went and he, he cried and he prayed. He wept for them. So if you're not having as much weeping as you are prophesying with a triple-braided cord, you need to get back in balance, because uh, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. We prophetic people have a tendency to make hasty decisions. We draw conclusions out of only a few facts, and we want to make a judgment. It's dangerous. We expect quick repentance from other people, and we don't understand that uh, sometimes we don't repent that quick. So let's extend somebody else the grace that God's extending them and not you know, want to say, Well, they're going to hell. They didn't repent. Uh, but there are times when there's an Ananias and Sapphira where sin has reached full measure, and uh, they're dead. So we need to be willing to also give that word when it's that serious and significant, so we can avert disaster. We also have a tendency to magnify failures in order to promote repentance. In other words, we see something, we want somebody to repent for that, and that is the heart of God. But then we turn around and want to magnify all these other things, and we stack evidence against them, and that's not issues God's dealing with. But we want to go ahead and make it an ancillary uh, evidence to, uh, you know, put them under such a burden. Now they're no longer convicted now of their sin. Now they're condemned. as well, and we've done the devil's work instead of just God. Remember this, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of intercession, and uh, Jesus is the great intercessor. He forever liveth to make intercession for the saints of God and is able to save from the uttermost to the guttermost, those that come to God by him. So the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week ministry that goes on before the throne of God day and night is the ministry of intercession. And if we're truly in Christ, we'll want to intercede for people because we know he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but instead that the wicked repent. At the same time, there's another ministry that goes on before the throne of grace 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And it's the ministry of accusation. For the accuser of the brethren has been cast down, who accused the saints of God before the throne of God day and night. So if we want to get into the ministry of fault-finding and accusation, I know who our Father is, and it's not Jesus. He's a ministry uh, gift of intercession to the body of Christ. And if we're going to be working and cooperating with Him, can two walk together except they be agreed, Amos three three says. And if we're going to walk with Jesus, we're going to have an intercessory spirit, even though we're going to operate in the prophetic gift. And we may have to rebuke some people occasionally when we get mature, but uh, until then, we better practice this thing on intercession and get our, our mercy toward others right. Otherwise, if we fall, we'll reap judgment just as we've sown it. But if we fall when we or sown mercy, we'll reap mercy on the way down, and God can restore such one in a spirit of meekness. I'll tell you what, I love Ted Haggard. Ted Haggard had a fall from grace, but Ted Haggard never spoke evil about anybody. And Ted Haggard's on the mend because he sowed mercy. You have other ministers I won't name that sowed judgment, and they, they had, you know, Harms disease, uh, hit-and-run mouth syndrome, and uh, they've never really recovered. And we need to sow mercy. And uh, we trust we never fall. He's able to keep us from falling. At the same time, not that we prophesy our own fall, but I'll say this, it's better to be safe than sorry and sow mercy in case you ever stumble and fall because then people will be interceding for you for your restoration instead of saying they got what they deserve. Remember what they said about so-and-so? We don't need to cement in people's demise. We need to cement in God's grace to draw them out of demise and avert disaster. We prophetic people have a tendency to magnify failures, and we also have a, tend to judge a person based on evidence without a solution, like I talked about earlier. And the evidence might be there, but the solution, if it's not there, pray don't preach or prophesy. We also have a tendency to point out a problem, like a leak in a cup, without offering the solution how to fix the problem. Hey, you got a leak in your cup! Instead of, oh, you've got a leak in your cup. Here, let me help you fix it. And we solve the problem. Instead, we just point out the problem and walk off. That's not a right spirit. A tr- Jesus wouldn't do that. And remember, he's our example. Well, we've talked about a number of things today. We've talked about the character, gist- characteristic gifts of insight and prophecy. Peter and the the things that he did. We've talked about the the characteristics of the motivational gift of insider prophecy that's good, and we've also talked about misuses of the gift. At this point, I'd like to conclude with some thoughts. As counselors, we must recognize, properly recognize, how people use and misuse motivational gifts, specifically the gift of prophecy, which, above and beyond all other gifts, mm, can be the greatest blessing or the greatest curse. I want to share the story of the persimmon and the prophet. There was a boy who was with his father, and they were out hunting, and all of a sudden the father came up upon a tree, and he went over and picked a persimmon off the tree. And it was early in the season, he threw it to his son. He said, son, I want you to take a bite of this delicious fruit. And the son said, well, good, dad. So he rubbed it on his his, uh, his jacket and he, he ate it and he first bite, it was like alum in his mouth. It was terrible. It was bitter. And he looked at his father and his father was just laughing and he was angry at his father because he'd been tricked. But he said, okay, you know, I'll learn from that. About three, three, four weeks later, they were over in the same area hunting and the father said, hey son, he said, uh, Want another piece of this uh, persimmon? He says, no, Dad, you got me on that once. You're not going to get me again. I learned my lesson. The father reaches up, grabs a persimmon off the tree, he rubs it on his jacket. He looks at it, smiles at his son. And he said, watch and learn, son. And he bites into it, and the juice just flows off the mouth of the father. The father wipes his mouth, and he smiles, and the son just can't figure it out. The father grabs another one, rubs it against his jacket. He throws it to his son. He says, son, try it now. The son says, You sure, Dad? He says, Trust me. The son reluctantly bites into it, and he saw it. Dad, he says, This is the sweetest fruit I've ever had in my life. And the father says, Yeah, it is. Isn't it? That's a persimmon. He says, Well, Dad, I don't understand. He says, Well, son, he says, Three four weeks ago, that wasn't a ripe persimmon, and it was the most bitter fruit in the world. He says, But once it becomes ripe, it becomes the sweetest fruit in the world. And, we can learn from this because prophets or people with prophetic or gifts of insight before they're mature can become some of the most bitter alum flavored people and gifts within the body of christ but once they're mature because they've sat in the rays of the sun the son of god and they're changed from glory to glory into his image they become most, some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet A pre-ripe tasting of a motivational gift of any kind, specifically a prophetic gift, is a bitter experience. It'll drive people from Christ and drive people from the, the body of Christ. But a fully ripened tasting of a motivational gift in the body of Christ, specifically a prophet, is the sweetest thing on the planet. We must allow God to mature us underneath the ministry of the Son of the living God to fully ripen us so we can be the sweetest thing in the world to the world and to the body of christ to win souls to the king let us pray that god will properly ripen us now in maturity so we can be a sweet savor of god's heavenly fruit of prophetic gifts and other motivational gifts to the world let us pray father we've heard your word today and i thank you for enabling us to mature under the presence of the Son of the living God. Have your way in and through our lives and mature us.